everybody, welcome back to a higher feature. My name is Eddie from Interview IA, and I'm I'm really excited about our guest today. It's going to be it's just a really great discussion around the the outcome that we're trying to bring, which is giving everybody a chance, an opportunity, an equal opportunity at at some role, right, at some job or something that they want to do. Um, so first of all, Anthony Ayani, welcome to the show. How are you, man? Doing good, UB. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So how how would you introduce yourself to our audience? So I'm a um, I'm Anthony Ayani. I'm a national motivational speaker, autism and anti-bullying advocate, and uh, soon to be author. My first uh, book, Title Center, comes out September 7th, and also the NCAA's first Division One college basketball player with autism. So a lot, lot, of, lot of things to throw in there. But <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of all those titles, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, and we were talking before we hit record about labels, right? Those are all labels. Yep. So, I mean, talk to me about your your journey, like starting when, you know, you were four or five um, and being diagnosed and labeled, essentially. Like, what? talk about how you got here. Yeah, so I was, um, so originally I was, I'm from Athens, Ohio. So I, I was there for four years. Um, and then when I was four years old, I was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder or otherwise known as PDD NOS. Um, because, so it's also, on the, so it's a form of autism on the autism spectrum. And, you know, there were some things that my mom saw that, that just did not look right. So if my mom had told me, you know, go get, go pick out a red shirt from your closet. I wouldn't come back with a red shirt. I would come back with something completely different. Or she would tell me, Anthony, go pick up the toys in the toy room. Instead of putting the toys away, I get more toys out. So she just knew like something wasn't right. And then just me, you know, the, 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 the overload of the stimulus of an environment was just too much for me. And she knew something wasn't right. And so when she first got me, you know, when I first went to get diagnosed, the doctors thought it was ADD. But my mom, who coached uh, college volleyball at Ohio University at the time, she was like, no, mm-hmm. like I have volleyball players who have ADD. Like, I know what ADD is. My son <laughs> yeah. does not have it. And right. so, so the second time they went back, it, that's when the, the autism diagnosis came into play. And so now they had to understand. They, my parents didn't quite have to understand what autism was, UB, because yeah. during, the, during that time period, the early 90s, nobody even knew what autism was. Like, nobody right. knew a lot of the characteristics of it. There was no awareness for it during that time. And there was basically no path or guidance or resources for families who were affected by autism during that time period to help them. Um, So a year later, when I was five years old, a group of doctors and professionals had told my parents that because I have autism, they told my parents not to expect anything or much from me. They told my family I would barely graduate from high school, never go to college, never be an athlete, and I would likely end up in a group institution with other autistic kids like myself for the rest of my life. my parents did not tell me this story until I was a freshman in high school. So that kind of became my motivation to go out and prove those people and any other doubters and naysayers that had my life wrong. Had to work extremely hard at everything from basketball to my social life and especially school, because I'm not afraid to admit this. I was not the smartest kid that walked through the hallways of high school. Um, but in the process, I had a lot of support from a lot of people. I had a lot of support from my friends, my teammates, my coaches, my teachers, and especially my family. Uh, so I went on to graduate from Okemos in 2007, where I then went on to Grand Valley State University, a Division II school in Grand Rapids, Michigan, for two years on a full-ride scholarship. 
didn't quite work out for me there. So I decided to transfer from Grand Valley State to go live my lifelong dream, which was to play for Coach Tom Izzo and the Michigan State Spartans. Hmm. So I was walk on at Michigan State for two years. My third year, I received a full-ride scholarship from Coach Izzo, was a part of two Big Ten championship teams, a team that won the Big Ten tournament title, a team that went to a Final Four, got to play with an outstanding group of guys who to this day I'm proud to call them my brothers. But, you know, as I mentioned before, you know, during my time at Michigan State, I became the NCAA's first known Division I college basketball player with an autism diagnosis in history. And not only that, I was able to get my bachelor's degree in sociology from Michigan State, too. So, I mean, there were a lot of things when I was younger that people thought that would not happen. But because of the support and the sacrifices that my parents and a lot of my family members made for me was the biggest reason why I was able to get where I'm at today. I mean, I just love the story. And it's it, it's crazy, right? Because, you know, getting the wrong color T-shirt right? or right. shirt, right? Or not putting your getting more toys out. Like that to me just seems like an ornery four-year-old, right? Like it's, it, it's <laughs> like, I mean, my nephew is just here, right? Same thing. Like it does the same thing, right? But so it's interesting because, you know, you talked about the tests, right? So they, the doctors yeah. actually did tests, right? They were assessments um, and tying this to kind of what we do from a, from a hiring perspective, right? There's assessments out there and things like that, but man, it, it how easy it is to, to erroneously judge somebody just based on an assessment here or there, right? Without really understanding or using it in the right way, right? I, f- I feel like they didn't use right. it in the right way, right? I think it could tell us some things, but they just made a blanket judgment statement to your parents about who you were going to be. You were ne- right. like, they weren't giving you any opportunity. No. And that's the thing too. Like, you know, when my parents first told me that story of what, what happened when I was five about that meeting, you know, my first initial reaction was, who would say it's about a five-year-old? Because during yeah. that period, like I didn't even, I didn't learn all my math at the time. I was still trying to figure out counting from zero to 20 and then 20 back to zero. So I'm still trying to learn a lot of things in the process. And so, you know, throughout my entire school career, you'd be like, I was a very slow learner. Like I didn't like process things like that, you know, but, or a 4.0 straight A student, you know, would get things quickly, you know, but for me, if I had to do a simple math problem, like I had to take it step by step and minute by minute, like I couldn't just throw it all together. You know, same thing with writing a paper. Like they, they gave me instructions on, okay, you start with a beginning, a middle and an end. Well, for me, that beginning took me a while because I had to process of, okay, the beginning is going to be this. I got to draft out the beginning. Okay. The beginning is good. Now let's, you know, the middle, let's process that out because a lot of students, you know, especially the ones with 4.0 straight A students, like they'll get it done quickly like that because they know the process and they know in, you know, just that studying process, they're, they're, they're better. I don't want to say better equipped, but they're better at handling it than most students do because they balance it out quickly. Whereas for somebody like me who's on the autism spectrum, like I got to take my time I, or I, sh- I should say I had to take my time. Obviously I'm graduating now, but, um, you know, so for me, having that slow learning process, it helped me be successful as a student. Um, so I think that's what the doctors kind of saw when I was younger was that I processed things slower than any other of my classmates did at that time. But again, that was the time period in the, in the early 90s, mid 90s, where nobody knew a whole lot about autism. Nobody had resources, paths or, or guidance for it. And that was kind of the thing, like, you know, my, my father, 
during that meeting, when they got to the third expert, he got up out of his chair. He interrupted, he cut the person off and said, look, like, I appreciate what you're doing. You know, we respect what you're doing, but let me tell you what our expectations are for our son. He's going to go to high school. He's going to graduate. He's going to go to college and he's going to graduate. Like he doesn't have to be a college. He doesn't have to be an athlete to do all this. Like if the good Lord wants to bless our son with those abilities and gifts, then great. Cool. But like, he's going to go to college and graduate. He's going to do all these things that you say he can't. And so, but after my dad said that him and my mom just looked at each other, like, okay, well, what do we do? Where do we go from here? You know, because again, you know, what do we do? There are no paths. There are no guidance, but, um, the late Sandy McDonald, who was the special education director at Okemos Public Schools, at the, Okemos Public Schools at the time, she sat, she stayed behind my parents and she told them, she said, you're right, we're going to figure out a way. And they all came together and they worked together to make sure that I got the right resources and accommodations I need to be successful. And so I owe a lot to, you know, Sandy McDonald. I mean, you know, I mean, God bless me. I mean, I mean, she, she did everything and more for us. And yeah. I know, I know she's no longer here, but like, you know, I know she's watching every single move that I do and everything that I do as an advocate. So, but she was the biggest reason why, you know, my parents were able to get a jump start and get ahead of the game when it came to getting those resources and accommodations for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. <clears throat> what do you tell people who don't have access to that kind of support? Right. Like, you know, and, and this kind of, cause there's a lot of, there's parallels here too. Right a lot of underrepresented groups of people who aren't given this, the opportunities. And, and, you know, I think yeah. we've seen it in the last year and a half after George Floyd's murder with all the discussions around systemic inequalities, it, you know, what, what do you say to people who, who just, who don't have a Sandy or your parents, like where, where, what do they, how, where can they go? I've always told people UB is to, is to find them, you know, yeah. because so because they may be right in front of you for all we know. They may be right behind you for all we know, because sure. I, I've had a lot of students ask me <clears throat> questions like, well, I don't have a lot of family support. You know, who can I go to if I don't have that? And I've always told them, I said, you got support right here in your school. Like your principals got you, your teachers will support you, your guidance counselor. And so that's why I've always told parents is like, you know, if, but also, you know, kind of browse a little bit too, because there are so many different organizations and different resources in those organizations that can help families find a Sandy McDonald, that can help them find a great public school system that'll help accommodate their son or daughter with accommodations and the resources mm -hmm. needed. And so that's the one thing I've always told parents and individuals is that, you know, browse outside of your school district because there are so many different new and exciting organizations, whether they're nonprofits or not, that are and that have one goal and mission in mind, and that's to help individuals on the autism spectrum or help individuals with disabilities and help accommodate them in every way possible. So I've always told parents, you know, you know, either get on Google or, or word of mouth, you know, that, that's the other thing I've learned too, as a, as a speaker is that you've had a lot of people who, you know, you'll talk to somebody and go, Oh, like I know somebody in this, you know, you should give so-and-so a call. So you never know. So you always just got to keep your eyes and ears open. Um, yeah. But don't, don't stop looking, you know, because the last thing you want to do is just, you know, quit and not find anything in the process. Well, and this ties really nicely back to an episode that uh, aired a couple of weeks ago uh, with with our guest, David Knorr, who was talking about the who. Right. And, and so to kind of tie this to, to business, too, it, you know, when we when we try to solve problems, it, it's often we're, we're often looking more for like the what and the how. 
when to your point, the, the solution or a variety of potential solutions are in the who that are around you, right? Like we don't even talk to each other here on our teams even, or we don't even look outside our department, for example, to your point about looking outside your school district, your department, look for who you have a network. We all have a network of people and there could be, there isn't just one solution to every problem. And, and, you know, there's, but, but the only way to figure that out is by talking to a lot of people, like go find their perspective, go ask their perspective. So it's, it should start with the who, and that's what I, I love about what you're talking about because we we forget that I think in this country where it's business first and um, you know we, the relationships have never really taken a front seat, mm-hmm. but I think now they have to. I think if anything, with what COVID taught us, being behind a screen like this, is that we crave that those relationships, or we have to be more yeah. intentional, right about about those yeah because how so like you do a lot with anti-bullying so how does that affect what what's that message there for you from that perspective so i bring two messages um you know for my anti-bullying initiative called the relentless tour um you know backtrack a little bit so i started the relentless tour eight years ago and initially it became the state of michigan's first grassroots initiative of its kind when it came to anti-bullying and initially, people thought it was going to be a statewide initiative, but then it only took a year and a half to become a nationwide initiative. So yeah. um, anybody who's listening that is interested in bringing me in with bringing myself on the Relentless Tour in, go to anthonyiani.com to learn more. But the messages that the tour brings is that is two of them. The first one is be careful what you say and do to others because you never know who that person will be like in the future. And a lot of good examples I bring up with that message is look at the celebrities that a lot of today's students look up to. You know, so some some celebrities who were bullied as kids include Eminem, Justin Timberlake, Selena Gomez, Michael Phelps, Taylor Swift, um, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And when I name those names off, a lot of these kids will look at it. And, and the one thing I always do, UB, as a speaker, I always see what my audience does and how they react. Yeah. Because you know, as a speaker, this is the one thing I've missed in the last year and a half, which I'm excited to get back to here in a couple of weeks is I miss that live energy from the crowd. I miss that live reaction. Whereas, yeah. you know, behind the screens on Zoom, you couldn't see that as much. You right. couldn't see it. Like I could see the kids in the classroom, but I couldn't tell their reactions. I couldn't see it. They're looking over here at this person. Like, <laughs> yeah. They get, or like their eyes just get widened up and they and just light up a room. Um, so whenever I mention these celebrities' names, I'll have these kids like look at each other and go, wait, what? Like Michael Jordan was bullied as a kid. No way. Yeah. Like, like Justin Timberlake, you know, you know, seriously, like Taylor Swift, Lady Gaga, like, yeah. And, and a lot of these kids look up to those individuals. And when they hear that, especially the bullies, I think a lot of them kind of step back and go, all right, you know what? If Justin Timberlake was bullied as a kid for these reasons and look where he's at today, maybe that individual I'm bullying over here, they could be that next Justin Timberlake. They could be next great athlete they could be the biggest name in the world one day or the inventor of something bigger and better than iphones and ipads like you never know um so therefore be careful what you send you the others and the last message i always bring is you know don't just go out and be the change but go out and make that change because the one thing i've always told students you be and i'll continue to tell them for a long long time is that the change does not start with anthony it doesn't start with governors of their state it doesn't start with 
you know, their teachers, their principal. It doesn't start with whoever's president of this country because it never has and it never will be. The change will always start with those students because they're the ones that change somebody's day from bad to great. They're the ones that change somebody's life from bone to incredible. And at the end of the day, they could be the number one reason why they save somebody's life. You know, they really could be. And, you know, the, the letters and the feedback that I've gotten for, you know, my bullying presentation have been great and all, but, you know, when I have a student say to me, you know, I saw somebody being, because of your presentation, I wanted to stand up to bullies in the hallway today, which I did. And I've always responded with, Hey, that's not me. That's you because yeah. you're the one that wants to stop and end all of it. You're the one that wants to see change in your school. So you're doing that, not me. And so those are two messages that the relentless tour brings. I'm very proud of that. And, you know, I think it's, and this is why UB, I'm excited to get back on the road this fall is because it's a, it's messages that students need right now. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think they've been, I think they've been waiting a year and a half and I think they've been craving to get a message like that back in their life again. Well, and just to be, be given a choice, right. It, it's a, cho- it right. becomes a choice, right. And that's, that's, you know, it's the parallels are, are great because I think about interviewers, that's who we're, we're helping the interviewers are yeah. our students and, but the same exact behaviors are happening, right? Like, Mm-hmm. interviewers are judging somebody for their name, right? That's how yeah. I was bullied was my, I grew up in the middle of Kansas and the only Ubaldo, it's my real first name for thousands of miles. Right. So right. It, it's like that, that's, so it still happens. It happens in the interview process. People are getting judged for how they look, for their names, for how they dress, for their skin color. And in some cases being called out for it or, mm-hmm. you know, questioned about it in an interview process where that has no place. And, and that to me is, is a form of bullying that's occurring, but it's, you're right. Like we're the awareness, but they have to make the choice. They got to make the choice to be better and, and to choose to behave better towards each other. And I think you're right right now is, is, I mean, it's, it's, it's like this crucial transitionary period where we have kind of this once in a lifetime opportunity to get better as people in general, right? And because everything's just been blown out wide for everybody to see and talk about. And it it may seem bad right now with a lot of the discourse and and disagreements and, you know, media the way it is and politics. But at the end of the day, I feel like that had to happen so that we can have these kind of discussions, right? And give everybody the awareness, but then the choice to be better or not, because then it's on them. It, it's yeah. it's not the responsibility, like you said, of anybody in power, of the person who's training or speaking. It's their responsibility. Yeah, agreed. And because everything that goes on in those hallways at school, you know, they, they're they the ones that could be the one to either stop it. Because I've always yeah. told people that if you see something going on in the hallways at your school and you don't do anything about it, you're the problem. You're part yeah, of the problem. That's it. So, but if you are the one that goes out and puts an end to it, you are part of the solution. And so, and one of the things you be that, you know, I try to do as a speaker, like I try to separate myself from every, every other speaker around the country. So what, what I mean by that is I try to do things differently than most people would. And so one of the things that I do is I always treat my presentations like my classroom, if you will, if I have a classroom, for example. Yeah. So if I'm in an auditorium or a gym or even like in, in just a small room, 
I will treat those areas as my classroom because I'm I'm not I'm not just there to present. I'm teaching these kids. I'm mm-hmm. teaching in, about life and messages, if you will. So if there is a student that gets out of hand in my presentation, I'm not afraid to call them out. I'm not afraid to do that. And of course, you know, with, with the principal's permission, of course, you know, I, I've yet to have a principal be like, oh, no, don't do that. I've always had a principal say, if it's going to be somebody, it's going to be you. So go for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever I call out a student, I always tell them, like, you know what, what you do in the hallways in between classes, you know, that's your time because that's, that's the kids' free time to goof around and have some fun. But I always warn them, be careful with what they do in the hallways because I don't want them to doing anything stupid and ending up in the principal's office. Yeah. If they're in a classroom, they're on the teacher's time because that's the teacher's time to help them learn, study, and for that for that student to be better as an individual. But when they're in a, at an assembly and they have presenter presenter who's traveled a long way away to be there and a presenter who's no, who's, who knows what he's talking about, you're on one person's time and that's mine. And I've always told those students, you know, because at the end, they usually come back to me and say, hey, you know, why did this happen? You know, what did I, you know, because I've had students apologize for those, you know, for their, you know, acts and how they did when I called them out. But then their friends will come back next to them and say, well, why did you call me out? You know, I didn't do anything. I said, well, here's why. Because even though you were listening to the presentation, which I thank you for, but you were sitting in between your buddies and you could have been the one to either elbow one of your buddies right in the shoulder and be like, hey, like, no, like, just pay attention, like, just listen to what he's talking about. So therefore, you were part of the problem and not the yeah. solution. So that's just the message that I want you to remember is that if your buddies are doing stuff like that again in a presentation and it's not mine, you know, just a reminder, tell them to cool it for the next half hour and like just chill and listen to what is going on because it's something they it's probably a good message that they don't want to miss out on. And so, so like you said, you know, it's about becoming the solution, not being part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a message that a lot of students, whenever I go out and speak, they're really starting to, you know, understand more is that, okay, let's be part of the solution. Let's not be part of the problem because again, students may sit back and go, Oh, well, I didn't do anything. Yeah. But you were still part of that group. You were, exactly. still, you were still part of the group that was being rowdy and loud and obnoxious. Yeah you know, in class or whatever. So you were part of it instead of being part of the solution. So that, that's, that's always one of my favorite messages I was carrying. And I think it's a message yeah. that we need to continue to carry for not just, not just our own kids, but throughout, but for kids and students all over the country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, couple minutes left. Let's talk about Centered. So you're going to be a first time author. Book comes out soon. September um, 7th, yeah. Yeah, so It'll, it came out already <laughs> based on the recording and we're going <laughs> to publish this. The book's out already. Um, so we'll talk about it. Talk about Centered. So Centered, um, Centered Autism Basketball, One Athlete's Dreams is a memoir about my life growing up with autism. So basically, mm-hmm. you, you, may, you heard a little bit about my life story today on, on your podcast, TV, but in the book, you get to hear about the whole, you get to hear and read about the whole thing. Um, so there, there are more sto- stories in there about me being bullied as a kid. There are more stories in there about me being on the autism spectrum. Um, And I also put some of my IEP plan evaluations in there too. Um, So for those listening that don't know what IEP stands for, it stands for Individualized Educational Plan. And one of the things that my co-author and I decided to do was we wanted to put these evaluation plans in there because we wanted to show families who are in the same spot that I was in many years ago to look at this and go, you know what, Anthony Ieni 
This is where he was in second grade and third grade. This is what these evaluators saw in him at this age, mm-hmm. you know, and look where he's at now. And at first UB, I was, I was, I was against it because there was some, there were some personal things in there that I looked at and go, you know what, like, this is a little too personal for me. I don't know if I want this out there for the world to see. And my co-author, Rob Keese, you know, who did an incredible job, you know, helping me out with this. Um, he, he just said to me, look, like, if you want this thing to be as impactful as possible, like, you need to put this in here. Because don't think about what's best for you in this situation. Think about what's best for those parents and those kids who read this and those educators and providers. So when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, you know what? That's what it's mainly about. You know, it's mainly about the readers and what they're going to get out of this. And so, I mean, we've had a lot of great reviews so far and hopefully we keep continuing to get more and more coming in, but you know, I'm just excited. And, you know, I, you know, this, I can tell you right now between us, this will not be the last project that me and my co-author do together. (laughs) We got some other things to work on in the future, but now I'm, I'm excited for the release of centered and, um, I hope everybody checks it out because they not only will they get a, a good life lesson here and never doubting others and rooting for the underdog, but they're also going to get a good educational lesson in what autism is. Where can they go to, to buy it? So they can go on Amazon.com. They okay. can go to IU Press, Barnes and Nobles, or they can also go on AnthonyIany.com, my website as well. Perfect. Anthony, it's been a pleasure, man. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, UB. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And thank you all for continuing to watch. Uh, Check out A Higher Future on all the different streaming platforms and our website. And we'll check you later. Thanks.